Well, the person I think of is Robin Williams. You know, yes. a lot of the comedians and stuff, you know. Uh-huh. I think some of the people that joke the most and are trying to make everybody else happy is because there's something internally happening with them. They're, they're trying tr- that's to, kind of their cope. They kind of make everybody else happy and want to comfort everybody else. If when they're I can't be happy, then I'm going to make other people happy. Right. Even if just for a moment. What is going on, guys? Dr. Jared Nelson in this house, the podcast, The Better Man, where you can never be perfect, but you can always be better. Today, we have a very special guest, somebody dear to my heart, a uh, longtime friend, Kyle Kilgo. What's up, dude? Hey, man. How you doing? I'm, thank you for that introduction. That was really nice. Yeah, yeah. I do yeah. what I can. I do what I can. Yeah. Glad to have you in here, man. I uh, got a lot, of, a lot of history. Got a lot of life experience from you. We're going to talk mental health. The yep. manga, mm-hmm. uh, maybe some Dragon Ball Z action. Hopefully, get, I'd get, love into, to. Yeah, get yeah. into that. We're going to get into all that. Absolutely, looking forward to it. So, here's how I start off. Everybody, you're in the gym. You're chilling. You're well. You go to the gym a lot, don't you? I used to. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think you're still busting out of that shirt, man. Hey, uh, only because not leave the broke. buttons on. Leave the buttons on. Oh, it's okay. It's broken. But, okay. <laughs> right. Right. Back to the question. You're in the yeah. gym. You're at the grocery store. You're chilling, and somebody sees you. And they're like, man, I know you from somewhere. Where do I know you from? Go ahead and start it off, dude. My name is Kyle Kilgo, and I work at Books A Million, and at home, I am working to become a professional manga artist. Hmm. So Awesome, dude. So um, we'll talk about the work already. Work at Books A Million. Worked mm-hmm. a lot of bookstores and stuff like that. I want to ask this. What got you? you are you a reader? You oh, like to read and yes. stuff? And you said you're into the manga. We'll get into that in depth. Yeah. Well, what kind of got you into working uh, that kind of job? Well, um, so I guess I should start in in high school. I or, or I guess even in elementary school. I've always been a big reader mm. since I was a kid. Like I used to be bigger on fiction. Um, these days, I find myself like if I'm picking up a normal book that is not a manga, it's usually like a how to or a guide or. Um, something like that, not nonfiction usually or poetry, short stories. Um, but what kind of got me into that field was, um, I loved books. It was something I respected, something I understood. I mean, I was majoring in English at Jacksonville mm-hmm. and I, I thought what better job than working for a book company. Mm-hmm. So. Free books? Well, uh, well sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. discounts and all that. That's pretty yeah. cool. So Books A Million, you worked there, left, came back, right? So what are you doing right now at Books A Million? So right now I am an assistant buyer. So basically my boss is a senior buyer who is in charge of the general merchandise uh, for the children's department, like plush, um, uh, the tiny little fidgety toys and um kids games and stuff like that for like up to age 12 i'd say mm-hmm. um and my job is to just generally assist her uh i i have technically two bosses um my other boss i will refer to as step boss okay um we we actually worked together for years 
in the Gadsden store, um, just on and off. And, uh, she was the, she, she was eventually the AGM there. And I was the co-manager the last time I worked in a books a million store. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I've told you this specifically. I've worked for that company as a whole five times, including right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. His first, uh, first time I quit because I did Southerners at Jacksonville and I, I had to go March and I came back in the spring and then I was there for another year or so. Third time I wound up at Second and Charles in Oxford, which is owned by, or it's a sister com, it's a sister store mm-hmm. for Books a Million, like you know, same corporate office. And uh, then after that, I got a job in telecommunications as a directory assistance operator. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it came time, I eventually went back to a Books a Million store and stayed for a while. Uh, I kind of went back and forth between books and telecommunications for a little bit, but you know, right now I'm books. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you went to college, Jacksonville State, yeah. go, go get Cox, go Cox. Uh, so you got your English degree, yes. So what was kind of your basis of getting that? What was the direction that you wanted to do with the English degree? I want to write. Mm-hmm. it's it's my so originally i was going for english education like secondary ed english mm-hmm. but about halfway through i hit a point where i just had a real thought with myself and i said okay i don't think i actually want to teach uh high schoolers specifically in this setting um I also had been thinking more about my own passions, my own wants for my life and the, the, the career that I wanted for myself. And ever since I was a kid, I've always loved drawing. I've always loved writing. And I said, I, I'm going to write. And one of the best things I think I could do for myself is expose myself to all different kinds of literature stories poems um anything i can get my hands on Mm. that's you know written good or bad pretty much Mm -hmm. um why didn't you want to teach uh i don't know well i mean my mom was a teacher Mm -hmm. and so i kind of already had seen a lot of that side of you know, education. I, I, I had also just started doing observations and stuff like that. And the, my heart wasn't in it. Mm. That's, that's really where it lands is if your heart's not in it, you shouldn't really be doing it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so going back to the books a million thing, still working to books a million. What's that like now? Uh, now it's, uh, it's very different. Uh, from what I'm used to. Um, so I've got a lot of experience in stores uh, just from the retail side, mm. but this is a more uh, corporate office environment, like a more uh, business casual. You got a cubicle and uh, I mean, we will go into stores and, you know, help them set stuff or help them on a holiday where it's um, 
you know, going to be busy. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's much more office. Mm -hmm. How's working in a cubicle? I love it. Really? I've always loved working in a cubicle. Mm -hmm. Uh, ever since the, my first cubicle job, um, I, I like spending time in Excel. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's a fun program that can really work for you if you know how to use it properly. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of jobs that you've had over time. Mm -hmm. uh, multiple times you've relocated, done different stuff. So in finding jobs and changing jobs and all that, I think that's really common. Most people, yes. you know, our parents are like, they stay with a job for 30, 40 years and all that. That's just really not going to happen with us. No. Uh, for you, getting a job, uh, changing jobs, getting a new job, mm -hmm. uh, what's the best way to do it? The best way to do it is to have a friend or, I mean, in my experience, honestly, mm. that's, that's pretty much been how I've got the past several jobs I've had, uh, with the exception of two that I had for about six months over the summer or late spring, summer and early fall. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I, so I moved up to Huntsville back in April. And, um, I was, uh, like the, the week I got moved, I, uh, I got moved up there. I, I started back to my job that I had at the time and, um, I'm not gonna name mm. a company because yeah. I don't want to deal with that. Sure. Um, so I, I got fired very abruptly with very little warning. And, um, I had to really figure something out because that job was what afforded me the move to Huntsville. And luckily I was able to, um, very temporarily fixate myself at a ramen shop up the street. And, uh, I had, I had been hearing from a radio host about a trivia gig. So I've been hosting trivia for like the past half year. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, about once or twice a week, give or take. And it, uh, it was fun. Mm -hmm. It was really fun, but oh my gosh, I'm so glad to be back. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So in searching for a job, you know, mm -hmm. how do you, how do you find a job? What's the best way to do it? Ooh. Um, you did a lot of Indeed or what? how did you find stuff? So, believe it or not, I don't have a lot of luck on Indeed. Um, and it also depends completely on where you live, too. Um, because if you, if you find yourself in a city that is very, very populated with a very specific type of college graduate, mm -hmm. like... If you move to a city where everyone's engineers and rocket scientists and you're an English major, mm -hmm. good luck. Yeah. Because you're, you're not going to find much that's for you there. Um, there may be an art scene, but there's probably not too much money in it unless you're already an established artist. Um, and then, I mean... Find find a place that's kind of a hub for you. Find a place that feels like home and 
I, you'll, you'll find something that will work for you. Mm-hmm. I agree um, with that. I think a lot of people, especially young people, move to big cities. They want to leave home. They want to do all this stuff. Oh, yeah. It's not all it's cracked up to be. I've worked in many, many big cities as a nurse, done a lot of stuff, and I enjoyed my time. Exactly. But for me, my fit is living out in the land, man, like enjoying <laughs> it, you know, not not a lot of traffic, all that. And I think it's yeah. important, uh, finding where you fit. That theme comes through this podcast all the time. Right. But finding kind of the area that you like, going there, gravitating toward that, and then finding the opportunities that you need there. And like you said about, um, you know, oversaturation. Yes. You, know, you go to a place where there's master's, doctorate level degrees all over the place and all that. Ooh. Depending on what you have and all that, the competition's so high, it's going to be tough there. Exactly. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's not to say that I didn't have some level of good time while I was while I was there. I mean, yeah. I made a lot of friends working where I worked. I, I met a lot of new people uh, just going to different restaurants week over week as a host. And um, gosh, I, I, I made some incredible memories with some really incredible people. Uh, but one thing I was not prepared for was uh, going from being the youngest person at your job to finally being one of the older people at the job mm-hmm. and which now I'm back to being the youngest on the well, not the, not one, the youngest the but youngest, on yeah. the younger side yeah I'm I was about to say I'm I'm teetering back and forth it's I know it oh don't blink yeah getting old man yeah getting old so uh, kind of explain that the nature of that, you know, in nursing, uh, you know, working as a nurse practitioner now, yeah. um, as a nurse, there's all uh, a wide variety of ages. You know, I've worked with 75, 80, maybe even year old nurses and stuff like that. Um, well, how do you navigate that? You know, cause I think it's easy mm. to work around people that are your age, but people that are older than you, you may not, you know, agree on a lot of different things. How do you navigate that? So to be perfectly honest, uh, every job I've worked at, a little respect goes a long way and mm. just, just show them that you, you respect the people you work with, you respect their time, you respect, you know, um, the job, what you're doing, just be a respectful person. Um, it doesn't hurt to have some humanity in what you do because um having worked in three separate corporate level settings um it can be very easy to get lost in the spreadsheets and kind of hit the um the wall of um paralysis yeah it's kind of like you kind of forget people are people yes it's like all about the job it, it becomes more about numbers on a page right sometimes and right. It's, uh, and there's ways around that too. I've, I've seen that firsthand and that's, that's a fun little thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know that I'll get too into that cause it's, oh, it's history. <laughs> Up to you, man. We can dive in. Yeah. So, uh, it's really not bad or anything. It's like. Give them the tea, man. Yeah. Give, give the people what they want. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, y'all feast your ear holes on this one. Sorry. <laughs> no, we're leaving that in. Go ahead. But um so I started this job uh an indiscriminate amount of time ago. 
uh, where I was brought on as a contractor through a uh, construction contracting company. And I was told at the very beginning that, uh, you know, pre-COVID, that this was eventually going to be, like, you're going to be a temp, and then you're going to be hired on. Oh, yeah. Well, some things fell through uh, when COVID did eventually hit, and the the VP over my side of the house got fired, um, and then my uh my boss no longer had the leeway to pull me on and he he kind of does he didn't really have the time to be working on the things that he would have us work on because they were in his job description it's just there's there's so much to do it has to be delegated and um but the the real secret to this boss who shall not be named was that he didn't know Excel. Uh. It's, it's one of those situations where it's like they know the industry really well. They've been in it for decades, so their knowledge of it is invaluable. Um, but uh, when it comes to new tricks, well, old dogs, man. Mm-hmm. Isn't it something that people can have a job and not really know what they're doing almost sometimes? It's, yeah. It's high management type positions. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> you see that a lot in every field. I see it in nursing too. Absolutely. Uh, had a few uh, leadership potentially people that it just mm-hmm. wasn't in the cards, man, uh, yeah. to do what they were doing and all that. But it's a real deal. This is giving you some attention there. How you doing, bud? Well, good stuff, dude. We talked about books of men going on all that. Let's go ahead and go into the manga. Let's do so it. you got some books with you, uh, some actually manga books, and we'll get into that whenever you can. Big yeah. Dragon Ball Z guy. Yes. I, lo- I love Dragon Ball Z. I know you do, too. Uh, kind of talking, going back to the early 2000s, man, when you get out of school, mm-hmm. what was it like at 4 o'clock Dragon Ball Z would play? For me. Or 4.30? Uh, dra- so I didn't have Cartoon Network for a long time. Okay. Um, When... My parents did eventually get like direct TV or something where we could actually have access to it. And um by the time I was watching Dragon Ball Z on TV at home, like I'd seen it with my uncle or my cousin or something beforehand mm-hmm. uh, and thought it was cool, but I uh would watch it just before I took my bath at night. Like seven or seven thirty. Mm-hmm. For me, so I was catching a lot of reruns. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I'd catch a new episode on Fridays or Saturdays or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and now you can just buy the whole series, buy the seasons and all that. I but own yeah, the it's, whole it's awesome. Man. So you you do so Dragon Ball Z versus Dragon Ball Z Kai. Yes. What do you think? What's one's better? Kai's the version I own. Yeah. So yeah. I well the Frieza saga, the Frieza fight with yeah. Goku's like. 30 episodes of talking <laughs> pretty much yeah so there's um this is all completely based off of personal preference as someone who's an avid manga reader i i think it's very important when a series gets adapted or animated that the heart of what that series is is kept there and i think kai 
does a really good job of getting down to the business of what Dragon Ball uh, Dragon Ball Z was about. Because mm-hmm. uh, I read the manga a few years ago, and uh, then I tried watching the anime again, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I don't have time." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I want to have to uh, skip class for a week just to just to get through the through the vegeta fight right and i just don't have it it's good if you want to save time too right uh, kai is the best way to do well you that. get the whole story but it cuts out all the filler yes you know? but you're getting the whole concept and all the right. main parts and all that because who who needs to see goku and piccolo get their driver's license yeah <sighs> yeah it's it's you want to see the fighting. I mean, that's me with Dragon Ball Z and all the manga and all that. Yeah. So kind of talk about your experience. Uh, you know, who got you into the manga to start with all this stuff with the oh. uh, anime type stuff? What kind of got you into it? What's the origins of that? Well, the origin of that came from being in elementary school, of course. I was very much uh, uh, embracing of uh my uh, i was about to say i'm a nerd uh, i've always been a nerd mm-hmm. and not not in any negative connotation i just i like doing things uh like a nerd and um god can we please cut that <laughs> sure <laughs> well, can't you like doing things Ooh. like a nerd yeah, I don't. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I I got fixated on the word, and yeah. it's all good. Yeah, but um, so yeah, back when I was in elementary school, I um I did watch a lot of Dragon Ball Z, and I also learned that if I stayed up late enough and turned my volume down low enough on the TV, uh, Adult Swim also had some anime that they would air. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'd I'd watch uh Dragon Ball before bed. I'd watch um Oh gosh. Uh oh, when I would get home from school, the first anime that would be playing on Cartoon Network was Roroni Kenshin. And I love that series. The I think the manga is better than the old anime, personally. Mm-hmm. Um the the live action movies for that series are actually very incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're very well put together because it's like a samurai drama mm-hmm. uh, set in the eighteen the the eighteen late eighteen hundreds, um, right after the initial sword ban, um, and it's um it's a really it's a really passionate series. Like the action's good, the characters. Like you can you can feel uh kind of what they're going through. And that's that's there there's a catharsis there mm-hmm. that's like a heightened reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you're like that with a lot of anime and stuff. You kinda look in depth on Yes. You know, I'm just like looking for the fights. That's pretty much what I want to see. And I think right. a lot of people do, but I think that's spoken like a true English major. You know, you're looking at the in depths of things, kind of the poetry of it all. The the characters, like what are how what's where's the humanity in what I'm looking at? Yeah. That's that's what matters to me uh when I go into a series. And I think that would be a great time for me to segue into this. Absolutely. Uh, cause like 
For those listening on the audio podcast, Kyle brought in some the manga. Yeah. Some manga yeah. books for us. I'm uh, going to talk about that. If you're on the audio podcast space, this would be a great time to switch over to the YouTube side. Dr. Jerry Nelson on YouTube so you can see this live in action. But yeah. Kyle, kind of talk about the books you got in front of us. Absolutely. I'd love to. So this is a series I used to stay up and watch on Adult Swim when I was a child, uh, which it didn't have to be on Adult Swim. It just was. Uh, I mean, Yu Yu Hakusho. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of my favorite series ever written. It's, it was one of the first manga that I fully collected, if not only because it was short. Um, and this series really, um, really touched my heart in, in a way that not a lot of children's media did at the time. Uh, because it wasn't afraid to discuss mortality, um, just in its themes. Because the whole point of the series is the main character, Yusuke, he's a spirit detective because he died saving a child. And it's, it's very based on Japanese mythology. So, like, their, their older ideas of, uh, what, uh, what the afterlife might be like forest spirits and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so basically the main character dies in the first chapter and he's faced with a dilemma that no one in the afterlife was expecting him to, to die doing something good, saving a child and risking his life for it. And so he gets the opportunity to come back under the stipulation that he becomes a detective for the underworld. And I, uh, I, I particularly love this one scene in, uh, I believe it's in the first episode after he dies, he, he, um, he's trying to come to terms with his death, but he's got just a couple things he wants to see before he goes onto the afterlife with the grim reaper. Um, and he goes to his own wake where his mom's there, um, and she's in tears, but she kind of wasn't a very, uh, attentive mother while he was alive. Uh, he, he's shocked to see her crying that way. Um, people that he didn't know cared about him were there. And he got to see them standing up for him because he had this reputation as a delinquent and, you know, just this guy you don't mess with because he gets in a lot of fights. And to see people like his principal, who's always scolding him, stand up for him when other teachers are trash talking him at his own wake to to see his his street punk rival show up in just tears over his death is uh it's it's it struck a chord with me because i i often wonder to myself when i'm gone what did or not even when i'm gone right now what do people just actually think about me i mean you don't have to die to find that out but mm-hmm. you know good point um you you can always just ask mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Very true. <laughs> but um but yeah, that was that's something that made this series in particular very special to me was introducing me to uh these kinds of ideas that I could really you know chew on like a little bit of a little bit of meat every here and there. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Yeah, the true uh it's uh humanity. Yeah. You know, put all your differences aside when uh when trauma strikes and all that. Uh we strip yes. everything down. You know, like you take anybody. Yeah. Uh, you should, and uh, the people say the saying everybody puts their pants on in the morning the same. That's right. Every single person. You know, uh right. we're all the same. You strip down everything, you strip down all your accolades, who you think you are and all that. Strip it all down, we're all human. You oh, know, yeah. I think that's a good point to understand. I think it was J.P. Sears did a TED Talk once, and he said something like, man, you take off all our clothes, and we're all just a bunch of naked weirdos. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's pretty pretty accurate. Uh, you had some more to share? I do. I do. Uh, I, I don't want to talk for nearly as long. as a little I feel rambling. like you probably could talk for hours about this. I stuff, could yeah. talk for hours about yeah, it. It's, yeah. it's trimming the fat. We'll go cliff notes uh, of every, every one you got. Yeah. So this series uh, is a recent favorite of mine, Chainsaw Man. I love Chainsaw Man, uh, and I love the author, uh, Tatsuki Fujimoto. You know, I don't know him personally, Mm -hmm. but I I love the work that he puts out, um, like like this series. Um, He's also done a lot of one-shots that really, really get, to the core of the complicatedness of human emotions, I feel. Um, because all of his characters are very human. They're all dealing with something. It really tackles um, what it can be like to, to just be manic or you know bouncing back and forth emotion to emotion and um or the disappointedness of of getting what you want but it's not what you expected yeah um i think that's the thing in real life to interrupt you and keep talking about that no you're fine you know but uh when i had uh when i got my doctorate yeah you know i'm like oh man like when i'm working as a nurse you know and then i'm like when i get this I'm going to have this feeling like I'm going to be complete. You know, I'm going to feel a certain way. Everything's going to be easy. Life's going to be easy. And then you get it. And yeah, you're accomplished and all that. But I think that's really common for a lot of people. It's like when I get married, when I have children, when I have this, I'm going to feel a certain way. And that feeling you feel isn't what you thought it's going to be. Exactly. Uh, That's a real thing. And I think a lot of people go through that. Oh, for sure. I've, I've, I mean, I've been through feelings like that myself where Mm -hmm. it's like, ah, I finally did this thing. What now? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause it's, um, the, one of the interesting things about this series in particular is that, uh, especially in the first part, none of the characters are mentally healthy people Mm. at all it's they they all have something uh that they're trying to run from or trying to fill a void of and they they chase it different ways and um sometimes because it's it's a very gruesome series like characters die 
Well, it's called Chainsaw Man, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's expected. <laughs> it comes with the territory. Right. But the 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 part that really mattered to me about characters dying is that um it's the it harkens back to what I said about this author in general. I think he has just a a really tight understanding of complicated human relationships and emotions because when a character dies in his series, it's always a different circumstance for that character. Like maybe they, maybe they just had a ton of loose ends left. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of these characters do when they die. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, they, they were making plans to do something. Boom. They're dead. Not a, not another word about it. Not another thought. And then the characters have to, the, the the still living characters have to move on from it, and uh, it's it's much like in real life, uh, death can happen suddenly. Mm. It can it can happen when you least expect it, and you could have been planning to go skiing. You could have been um, getting ready to go see that movie you've been waiting three years to come out. You know, but. At the end of the day, sometimes it just happens. Life is a gift. It is. Every day you get out of bed, every day you open your eyes yes. and take another breath in the morning. Hopefully you don't have sleep apnea and you don't stop <laughs> breathing in your sleep. I kind of said that like that. But every day is a gift. It's precious. And, uh, you know, I think when you, a, a lot of things you go through in life, it puts it in perspective. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to get out of bed. Sometimes it's hard to do a lot of stuff. But if you keep that in mind, every day that I'm given breath in this life is a gift. I can yes. be an impact to someone. I matter, all that. All those things, uh, they make life worth it for sure. Yeah. It's um the for for me, uh that that is something that weighs very heavily on my heart as a person, is that life is a gift and you have to like it's not always easy to remember that mm -hmm. but i mean you got to hold on to something mm -hmm. and um i i feel like um as as someone who goes through depressive bouts or you know has a lot of has had a lot of anxiety for most of my life um there uh i've had a couple of brushes with death before that really put it into perspective that oh my goodness i don't want to die i don't want to to just stop yet i'm not ready i'm not, i'm not ready to die yet mm -hmm. i have i have people who depend on me mm -hmm. i have friends and it's a very human thing to not want to die yeah but at the same time i also find myself at peace with the idea that i'll die when i die mm -hmm. but we uh, all have a time yeah i think too working medical and stuff you understand everybody has a day yeah uh and a time and sometimes it's unexplainable you know mm -hmm. that's just how um you know we're uh, Bible believers, yeah, correct. Uh, you know, we understand that life is precious. We have an impact. We have a journey here, yes, um, and we still have a uh, have something to do. But it's when is your time to go? It's your time to go. Oh yeah, 
100%. God has had a very significant hand in informing me of the world around me, my, my life, my situations. And, um, and I know that we're going to talk a little bit more about depression and anxiety later. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be coming up sooner. I, I, I don't remember. Sure. But, um, I, what, what I want to say about that is that over the past, uh, over the past decade plus that I've dealt with this, it's been more than a decade. Um, I, I never really understood it for a while. It becomes easy to blame God for feeling that way. Mm-hmm. But eventually I hit a point where I started seeing what God could be doing with me in other people's lives by allowing me to experience the the feelings that I have experienced mm-hmm. like that. I think it's important. That's okay. I think that's yeah. okay to, to say, God, why are you doing this? And yeah. uh, blaming God, you know, I, I don't know. I think we all need to own our stuff. Exactly. You know, and, it's, uh, it's not his We are sinful people. Yeah. Right. And We've so, got free will. <laughs> right. 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 So it's not his fault necessarily, but he gives us free will. We yeah. fall into entrapments and temptation. We go down wrong paths. You know, things happen, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's important to own that. It's it's okay to doubt. You know, I mean, I think that's yeah. human nature. We grew. I grew up Baptist. I don't know what you grew up. Uh, Same. Same. But yeah, any any questioning, you don't question it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's very damaging to a lot of people in, in Christian areas. You need to question. You yeah. need to know. You know, you need to pursue God, question it, be curious yeah. about things. I think that's a very healthy way to be. One hundred percent. But yeah, I, but but just you got to own it for sure. I I love I love what you just said. That's that's something that I've very passionately. Uh, uh, that that's a that's a mindset that I very passionately pursued in my adult life is stop being afraid to ask questions. Don't listen to what people told me in church listen to god and sometimes you're just gonna have questions mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you're gonna get answers <laughs> yeah that's true you, you won't always get answers sometimes you'll just be left in the dark and that's the way it's meant to be i think though as um, a young kid too it kind of diminishes a lot of children's confidence yes it's like you don't need to think for yourself like if you have a question about christianity no you shouldn't you shouldn't think Right. You you obey this, you do this, you don't question anything. How damaging to me, to a child, uh, it really can be. Yeah, it can. It really can. Because for for me, I I particularly have run into situations in the past. Uh, you want know, to talk about damaging to a kid? I was I was seventeen years old, and all within the same year, two separate preachers denounced my faith in front of my peers wow. and some of their families at like two completely separate preachers at the same place at different points in time, uh, denounced my faith and then tried to, or well, one of them was trying to, uh, take credit for leading me to God. And I'm like, dude, you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I followed. 
I listened mm. when I was seven years old, praying in my bedroom, and I said, my life is for God. I want this for me. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of ego with pastors. I think that's a pretty I'm common sure. thing. Yeah, there's a lot of ego there. It it it, it also didn't help that it was kind of like a... So I, I've never been a fan of the hellfire and brimstone approach. Right. Because it's it's scare tactics. Well, I think you're going to get numbers. Yeah. But are you going to get genuine commitment? Exactly. You know? Uh, should you be afraid of God? I don't think so. Like sinners in the hands yeah. of an angry God, that painting and all 100%. that. 100%. Right. Uh, we have a reverence, but should you be afraid that God's just going to like strike you down? Right. Uh, God doesn't want that for us. He wants us to love him, you know, yeah. follow him and obey him. Uh, yeah. That's what he, that's what he desires for us. He, he wants it to be a two way street of love. Right. And, right. and, uh, I, so I listened to you and Kevin talking about your faith, uh, the other night and I, I really, really enjoyed listening to that. Um, everything. Episode 11. Yeah. yeah. Check it out. (laughs) Yeah. Check it out, people. I, um, I I loved that episode because, uh, you guys were talking about your faith and, um, we can part real quick. I forgot what the last. Oh, it's all good. It's okay. Uh, talking about the faith, uh, Kevin. Um, what what were we saying just before? Uh, it talking about the pastors. There's ego, the and they were they were telling you you weren't saved. Oh yeah yeah. yeah. So I, I I was watching the um uh, the episode you did with Kevin and and when you guys started talking about how people. Uh, or church people in particular are, uh, I mean, it's easy to get mad at yeah. people in general, uh, but it's easy to get mad at church people too. But at the end of the day, people are people, right? Everyone is a person and everyone has good days. Everyone has bad days. And sometimes we get wrapped up in ourselves. And mm. it's, it's the human way. You know, I think going to church and stuff too, people, they, they do, they get hurt by people and they're like, I, mm-hmm. I didn't feel, or they didn't do, well, we're not there for people, right? Right. We're there to wor- worship with other people and stuff, but we're there for God. We're there to worship, uh, worship our savior. Yeah. And so I think you got to kind of separate yourself from that. Mm-hmm. You know, people are going to hurt you, you know, people aren't going to be nice and, People are not going to do always the right thing and all that, but you got to know where your loyalties lie. Yes. You know, your loyalties lie toward Christ and all that. Um, and as long as you have that mindset and that outlook, you're not going to be so disappointed. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because one, one of the, um, I, I would like to share this real quick. Back when I was in college, I, I was having a very hard time uh, coming to grips with just different ideas I would hear, uh, whether it be in a class or, or just things, things that I felt, um, uh, I wanted to give belief to, but did not know how to reconcile that with my belief in God. 
um, or, and you know, the, the word. Right. And I took a class, um, uh, my, my junior year called Bible is literature. Uh, first, first semester that year I took new Testament. Uh, second semester I took old Testament and we, this really hit home for me when we started doing old Testament. But, um, we, we would talk about things in that class. It's, it's, it's the ask questions things we were discussing earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, my professor would come in at the beginning of every, every semester and she'd say, Hey everybody, welcome to class. Uh, I'm Miss so-and-so. Uh, before we get started, I just want to let you all know that anything we discuss in this room, just don't talk about it outside of here. Don't, don't bring it up at church. Don't bring it up to your families. It's going to save you a lot of trouble because we're, we're reading the Bible as a piece of literature and we're asking questions. Right. But those very questions that we were asking, no matter how taboo or, or sacrilegious that they could have even been, only really served to strengthen my belief mm-hmm. in God and in the Bible because um one one of the one of the greatest conversations that we had in there for me was um was about the structure of Genesis, the way it was written. And um some somebody had said Somebody had made a pretty decent argument for, I mean, well, maybe it's not, maybe it just didn't happen like this at all. And, and I thought, oh my gosh, how do I, how do I think about that? And then my professor said, well, yeah, exactly. It could, it could be that, but if you do believe in it, does it even have to be real for it to matter to you? For you to learn what you've learned, for it to have the effect on your life that it's had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a very important mindset to remember because parables. Mm-hmm. Like it. Well, well, Wes was on here. Yeah. Back, and so he said, uh, you know, was Jonah really swallowed by a whale? Right. Like, or, or was this like a parable to show you, you know, trials overcoming and all that? Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty much what I'm getting at there, too. I. I didn't know he talked about that. Or, he did. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's awesome. I've got a episode, episode uh, fourteen. All the fun, I guess. Nice. Shameless plug. Nice. I was about to say, plug it, man. Yeah. I um, I have grappled with my faith over the years before, but I'm I'm at a place where I'm not really grappling with what I believe about God about jesus about the bible um i'm i'm very content with um my current relationship Mm. and um but there's always room to grow i think everybody goes through seasons yeah you know i had a season in my teens i had a lot of questions i had a lot of doubts and stuff and my grandmother Passed in 2019, a great woman, my father's mother. Yeah. Um, you know, she was there for me. I think it's good to have people. She she didn't even, and that's the thing, she approached me in a way 
that was like, I'm not going to judge you for this. I'm here to help you. Yeah. You know, uh, people are going to doubt. People are going to, you know, have questions and all that. And as a Christian, it's our job to help help them, you know, pray for them, be with them, support them, not mm-hmm. change them or force them to think a certain way or say, here's all the evidence and all that. Yeah, that's yeah. going to push people away. Why not show people love, love these people through those hard times? Right. And, and, and another great thing that my professor had brought up was, listen, if you if you believe in the Bible or if you believe in God, if you're a Christian, why do you need evidence? To believe it, because you're not asked to believe based on evidence. Mm-hmm. You're asked to believe on faith. That's it. That's the reality of it. That's the key. And a lot of you know atheists, uh, different people. There's people that watch the podcast. Atheists they comment a lot and stuff, yeah. and they'll say God isn't real. Stop talking about that and stuff like that. Uh, you know, sometimes there's not proof, but I know the proof yeah. in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. I feel that. Um, you know it's there um and it's kind of a hard thing to explain sometimes but that's my belief that's my experience uh we all have a different experience in life and all that yeah um i i agree completely it's it's just a person to person thing and mm-hmm. if you feel it you feel it if you don't you know but i'm like that with people like i have friends that are agnostic atheist yeah methodist presbyterian catholic what that's their belief. I exactly. love them. I care for them. You know, we don't have to have the same belief. If they were to ask me, hey, why do you believe this? Or what, what you know, I'm, I'm prepared to give my account, you know, and I'm prepared to show them love and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. But we don't have to change them. You know, uh, yeah. people can believe what they want to believe. That's okay. I think you got to be at peace with that. I think growing up Baptist, just like look down on them. Like yes. if, if they don't believe what you believe. Look, I roast Baptist on here, but I feel like I grew up Baptist so I can because I've experienced it. You know, I've, I've lived it for so long. Yeah. But um, Ooh, but that's family's not, not watching this one. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's not the way. You know, God is love. We're supposed to love those people. Now, we don't accept wrongdoing. You know, we don't accept bad things and all that. Yeah. We love those people, work through that with people. That's the way I think Jesus uh, came and taught us how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I, I was actually riding uh, in the car with someone I marched with in college, um, just on the way to someone's house. We were getting ready to polish our symbols for a game. Uh, that's not a euphemism. That's they were it's, actually going to polish symbols. Yeah. Yeah, we were literally <laughs> polishing symbols. <laughs> the most boring version of that statement that could possibly mean. Sure. But we were on our way there, and he's he said something to me. He said, "Hey." Um, you're a Christian, right? And I said, yeah, yeah, I am. He said, okay, yeah. Um, uh, and you don't have to answer if you don't feel comfortable with it, but you know, I'm, I'm an atheist and I just, I wanted to ask you because they're just a Christian in general. Like why, why do some Christ, uh, some Christians act the way that they do about people who aren't like what we were just talking about yeah. me and you and and he said because who was jesus hanging out with in the bible because he was hanging out with prostitutes tax collectors mm-hmm. and i mean he had his disciples too of course yeah um and i mean a lot of their lives were very unglamorous mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah 
Yeah, it's a real thing. Uh, the band of brothers is important. You know, being around like-minded people, it is. ministering. Uh, you know, with people in the church, outside the church, and all that. But we are called to go into the world. Yeah, and love people. You know, just like Jesus did. That's what we're called to do. You know, we're not meant to just isolate. Now, there's times of isolation. I think that's important for people to have. Yeah. But our job is to love people. That's yeah. it. You know, love can be firm. Love can be difficult. You know, love can be a lot of different things. But our job overall as Christians is to love people. And right. I, I think uh, we got to do a better job of that. I agree. I agree completely because my, the, something that I, I, I thought about in college was, you know, there was, there were a lot of questions cropping up for me about my own faith. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on building myself, building my relationship with God as, as I feel led and just focus on loving people, mm -hmm. give people the time of day, you know, lend an ear. Uh, share your experiences mm -hmm. and maybe you have something that can help someone else if you see that they're in a place of need for it. Mm -hmm. When you do that, you realize we're all more, have a lot more in common than what you think. Oh, I don't yeah. care who you are. I don't care what you look like. I mm -hmm. don't care how old you are. We all have similar struggles, man. Exactly. And we can all lift each other up. Let's finish the manga. Let's go ahead and finish that and we'll go on to the other topics. Damn, you got one more manga to go. So this one is actually not a manga okay it is a book about manga called manga in theory and practice mm, by cool. hirohiko araki uh the author of jojo's bizarre adventure this book uh i read cover to cover when it was finally translated into english because it is about writing manga from an industry like from a person who's been in the industry's perspective and it was very informative of me or for me uh, of what that might be like and, you know, mitigating expectation um, and just doing it. Like I read it cover to cover because I was so passionate at the time and I was just like, you know, maybe. Maybe I can just get to a point where I do it and I'm comfortable with it. Like I draw I, or I write, I draw, I, you know, just start putting it out there and be a professional about it mm -hmm. because everything he says in here is just so cool. It's and co or cool as in like collected and, and very, uh, reminiscent, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, but I I'll lean back a little. Um I really leaned on this book when I was writing my first one shot chapter. Uh for for those of you out there who don't know what a one shot is, uh it's a single chapter of manga, usually anywhere between 40 to 60 plus pages, give or take. Um it's just one story, one and done, has a beginning, middle, end. And I decided that I was going to write one uh, several years ago. Um, this was actually uh, 
one of my brushes with death um, that I've experienced or where or close a close call, if you will, mm-hmm. because I threw myself into it so hard. Um, I was working a 40 hour a week job, uh, coming straight home and working on it. And then most nights for a month, I didn't go to bed and I would drink a lot of caffeinated drinks or, or espresso shots and stuff just to, just to keep writing, keep drawing. And one night while I was drawing, I, um, I felt just a really bad sting in the heart and uh, I could kind of feel my left arm going numb. And I thought, Oh no, Mm. I'm here. I'm at this point. Something's wrong in my life. Something's wrong with what I'm doing. And I have to start being honest about what my problems are, how I can address them, and really how much of it is my fault. You know, a lot of people never reach that place. A lot of people struggle their whole life and they never face themselves. Yeah. I mean, I put, I put myself in therapy after that month. I, I, I said, no, I want to live to see myself get published. I'm going to therapy mm-hmm. when I finish this chapter. When I've got time, uh, my, my hard stop is this date. I'm going to enroll myself, get all the paperwork done, and just go. And yeah, I think a uh, perfect learning. segue into mental health, man. Um, so mental health experience for you, uh, what's your journey been like? And kind of dive into that a little bit. Well, um, so I mentioned earlier I have dealt with depression and anxiety just relentlessly mm-hmm. uh over the years and have you done medication have you took medication do you want to share uh not for those particularly i mm-hmm. i never i never took anything for depression or anxiety mm-hmm. um i uh so I, I know that there is a link with adhd um which i was diagnosed add at like nine ten years old mm-hmm. and um I, I I am not nearly enough of a professional to get into the specifics sure. of how that works. Yeah, I'm very trained in that, uh, but I don't speak a lot on it because yeah. I'm not a neurologist. I'm not a pediatric neurologist. I don't or a psychiatrist. All that. I don't. I don't delve too much. Right. Um. I. Uh. I guess it'll be best if I give a recent experience with it. So I mentioned I, I, I did move to a new city for me. It was I'd, I've been dreaming about moving there for a long time. I get up there. I suddenly get fired from a job. That's the first kick off the ladder. That's, that's the first rung breaking in my hand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I thought, okay, it's all right. It's all right. I can do this. I can do this. I've got people here. I've got I've got friends, I've got, you know, all sorts of people who can, um, who, who I can depend on and, uh, including myself because 
you know, that's what I spent. That's something I spent time working on in therapy was, was depending on myself, trusting myself. That's right. And caring about myself. Um, and, uh, first couple months were fine. I was okay. And, um, I was in a relationship at the time and it kind of came to a head for me that just this realization that I was not in a relationship with someone who I needed to be in a relationship with or wanted to be in a relationship with at that point. It just kind of soured for me. So I put it into that about a week later, uh, uh, someone else close to me went into a coma. Uh, fast forward a couple days. I just keep getting bombshells of information. It's just one thing after another. Sure. And I, without getting into too much of the specifics, because I mean, there's a, there's other people involved that I just don't, you know, if, if they watch this, I don't want them to think I'm (laughs) name dropping. Yeah. Name dropping or just sharing something that's more personal to them or, or has affected them in a different way. Mm. Um, but it was kind of, um, uh, a sign for me. It kind of came to a head when my, when my aunt passed, um, a few months ago, I, uh, I drove home for the funeral and then I went back and it, financially crippled me for like two weeks i felt bad because i was kind of lamenting the drive and i also hated being in a position where i would have to ask for money from somebody else Mm -hmm. um and or just to make and make ends meet because I mean, I've, I've driven a truck for years and that thing does not go easy on the gas, but, Mm. um, I'm getting, I'm getting down a rabbit hole on the wrong thing. Let me recollect and I'll say it's the ADD. Yeah, (laughs) it very much is. It's all good. It's just take your time, bro. Running rampant. Yeah, you're good. Um, I would say that my depression hit a peak a couple of or about three ish months ago uh it all kind of just came to a head and i was alone i was isolated and i needed to find a way back to where i could just be around people more often just in general uh be closer to my family so that that in the event of an emergency i can make it back uh or i can make it in time i can i can be there for somebody right um and there's a uh emotionally for me this is very related um on the subject of depression, 
Uh, so we've we've both played some Final Fantasies. Oh yeah. Time. Oh yeah. Um, I watched this guy, um, Tim Rogers, on YouTube. He, um, I, I think he's really good at what he does. He's very well spoken. Um, and he did a slow translation of Final Fantasy VII that I watched, uh, where he just looked at the localization of the game, the translation from Japanese to English, and just figure out what, just see what kind of time constraints uh, and how that there were and how they affected things in the translation. Uh, the last episode that he ever did uh, is not the end of the game. He stops like halfway through the game after uh spoiler alert. If you've never played final fantasy seven or somehow have never seen the big twist, I don't know what rock you've been living under, but you know, <laughs> but after, um, all right, they've been warned after Aerith dies. Um, Cloud has a moment that Tim brought up and he said, there's, there's this line where, uh, that he says in Japanese and then he reads it in Japanese and he said, what this says is there is a person inside of me who I do not know a person inside of me who is not me. And he really like, he'd been, he's really good at dry humor and he, I, I was expecting him to kind of go more into a joke out of it. But then he got very real for a second. And he said, that line meant nothing to me. The first time I played this game in Japanese, then some 20, 30 odd years later, after I lived in Japan and, uh, had made friends and stuff like that. He said that, one of his friends who he used to pass notes with, uh, she wrote him the exact words that popped up in that scene. And he didn't really understood, uh, understand what it meant at the time. Um, and then about a year later, he had found, he found out that she had taken some matters into her own hands so to say. Mm. And when he played that game again, he saw that line and it made him cry. And for me, the, the, the vulnerability of him sharing that combined with my brushes with depression and just feelings that, we don't always know what to do with on our own. Um, I, uh, I thought that is such a powerful phrase to really make someone going through something like that feel seen. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I felt like, uh, it, it gave me, a visual like you know just whether it be metaphorical or whatever yeah it's it's just like 
there is a person inside of me. Hey, Fitz. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, there's yeah, buddy. There's a person inside of me that I do not know. A person inside who is not me. Mm -hmm. And that statement is something that I've written down, just on a note somewhere. I'll leave it at my desk in a drawer somewhere that I can find it later when perhaps I need it more. Mm -hmm. So that's good to have stuff, man. Good to have yeah. stuff to fall back on people to fall back on reminders, stuff like that. That's really important about mental health for sure. Yes. Got little fits here with me. If you're watching the video, uh, this is my dog. Yeah. I never actually, I think he's been in here an episode or two, but this is him. <laughs> he says, Hey, anyway, down buddy. I'm going to read some mental health statistics about men. I kind of wanted to share this a little bit because we're talking a little deep dive into mental health. Uh, men obviously are less likely to speak up and get treatment. That's kind of a, it's a stigma, you know, it's a known yeah. thing. Also less likely to be diagnosed because of this. I know mm -hmm. that as a clinician, a lot of people just kind of brush it off. Like, uh, not, not saying you're a man, you can deal with it, but kind of that demeanor, uh, mm -hmm. just that they, you know, they can deal with it. Uh, women kind of deal with mental health more stuff like that. They just kind of believe that for some reason, um, over 6 million men, suffer from depression per year uh, but mm -hmm. male depression often does go underdiagnosed more than three million men in the u.s have panic disorder three million men in the u.s yeah have panic disorder agoraphobia or any other phobia 2.3 million americans are affected by bipolar disorder equal amount of men uh and an equal amount of men and women develop the illness uh age of onset men is 16 to 25 years old that's for bipolar yeah. One of the leading causes of disability in America is schizophrenia. Approximately 3.5 million people in the U.S. have been diagnosed, and 90% of those who are diagnosed by age 30 are men. Wow. Uh, a lot of statistics there, all to say. Um, it's gotten better. You know, I think the stigma yeah. with men and mental health it has gotten a lot better, but still, uh, me as a clinician, uh, mm -hmm. got to be very sensitive to that. Uh, something I have to be sensitive to, evaluate that, take it seriously. Um, what do you think about uh, it being underdiagnosed? Do you believe that's a real thing? Uh, I, uh, of course, yeah. yeah. I, I would kind of have to just take your word for it. I mean, you're the doctor of yeah. us. I, yeah. But I think I, you uh, understand men. You know, I think well, men, yeah. have, men have a lot of yeah. struggle and they don't get help. You know, yes. I think it's a common thing and they just kind of suffer in silence almost. I have seen men in my life have moments where the dam breaks like metaphorically speaking of course like, right. like i'll just be sitting with someone uh just another another man in my life and um and he'll say something just really vulnerable and then just throw that wall right back up and i'm like yep. you don't have to do that you're in good company i get it and well, I think you're almost shamed. You're kind of made fun of. You know, yeah. I think a lot of men, when they are vulnerable, it's kind of like you're shown as weakness and all that. Yeah, absolutely. I am. Um, uh, and this was something that I, I discussed very heavily in therapy was, was um, there, there were very few places where I felt comfortable sharing my emotions because I've always been a fairly goofy person. Um, I don't know if that would be something that comes across on the podcast 
or not. Yeah. But like in my daily life, I tend to be a fairly goofy individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a result, there are a lot of people who don't want me to not be that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've had instances where I've been sitting with groups of friends before and and the the mood changes. Everyone gets serious and then we all kind of breakfast club it and talk about our, you know, what we got going on. And then it then it would get to me and it, it'd be I'd I'd be like, yeah, I'd I get that. I've dealt with this, this and this. And they'd be like, oh, 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 go, go, go back to go back to funny, Kyle. Go, mm. go back to. Goofy Kyle, we're we're counting on you to be the uplift, and I'm like, well, I don't have that in me right now. Right. I I don't have an outlet for this, so I don't have the capacity currently to be a um a distraction or be the butt of a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's there's a lot of people who go through that. If, if you were ever perhaps a class clown, I mean, sometimes it's uh, it's hard. Well, the person I think of is Robin Williams. You know, yes. a lot of the comedians and stuff. You know, uh-huh. I think some of the people that joke the most and are trying to make everybody else happy is because there's something internally happening with them. They're, they're trying. Tr- that's kind to, of their cope. They kind of make everybody else happy and want to comfort everybody else. If when I can't be happy, then I'm going to make other people happy. Right. Even if just for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um. That I feel like that's the uh, that's sort of the ballpark mm-hmm. of that. Uh, just from personal thoughts and observations, I guess, mm-hmm. but, but, but something that I did learn in therapy was, uh, was self-care. I've, I, I know that over the years I have had very self-destructive tendencies mm-hmm. in my life. Um, nothing as far as like physical harm or anything, but setting myself up to fail or, or saying, oh, it's just going to be this, and then it happens, and it's just self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, right. Too, too much, uh, uh, like, trying to avoid the letdown. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll still be let down. Yeah, the struggle's going to happen, regardless yeah. if you prepare for it or don't or expect it or whatever. Yeah. That's why I, uh, I forgot who it was. Maybe um, Bruce Lee, Be Like Water. Oh, yeah. You uh, know? I meant to bring that up because I heard you talk about that with Kevin. Yeah. And I yeah. was just like, oh, yes. Yeah. Being I mean, like water, like flowing, adapting right. to your environment. Water is a liquid. Like sometimes it's got to go around a boulder. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's, you know, got to pass through a life. fish. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Whatever you got to do. But circumstances are going to happen regardless. Yeah. And if you sit there and worry about it, you know, try to think up all these ways to prevent something from happening. Yeah. It's almost like you said, self-fulfilling prophecy. That's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, and energy. You know, I'm not huge on like, uh, there's there's energy. Do you feel that? <laughs> not, I, you know, not huge on that. But I think energy is real. And mm-hmm. I think if you uh, are kind of have a negative connotation and have thoughts negatively about a lot of situations, your life is going to follow that pattern. Absolutely. It's um, It's a very 
common thing to be avoidant of your own problems or to put them to the side for the sake of everyone else. But what that ends up doing is uh, it ends up building in you. And uh, when you, when you push down emotions, eventually they come back whether or not you're ready for them and probably not towards whoever or whatever those emotions actually need to be directed towards. Right. I'll tell you, uh, I've said about Jason Wilson, a great author. You can find him on Instagram. I Mm -hmm. think it's just his name, Jason Wilson. Uh, Cry Like a Man. He has a couple of books that I really like. And Battle Cry. So up here, it's back here, actually. The books are back here in the room. But, um, yeah, he said it's like emotions for men are like ping pong balls underwater, right? Right. So you can try to hold one down and you hold two down and you might hold a couple, but eventually what's going to happen? Like they keep and they're just going to blow up. Yeah. That's why you see bouts of anger, people are going on rampages. You got to deal with it. And it's difficult. It's hard because you don't want to face yourself. I forgot uh, the specific quote. It's like, you know, a man sitting, a man can conquer everything except himself. Yes. You know, I think conquering yourself, figuring out your tendencies, how to overcome, how to cope with things. Uh, that's the ultimate success in life. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great to really learn to accept yourself. Um, also I'll, I'll, I'll plug my, uh, my therapist real, real sure. quick. Uh, I haven't seen her in a couple of years, but uh, Katina Stroud uh, was who I went to in Anniston at Serenity Counseling. Um, I believe she has some more people there working now, uh, some other mental health professionals alongside her because they have been a growing business for the past few years. Well, we talked about therapy. Very, very important. Yes. Um, I think it's important because... The way I was raised, we didn't really talk about feelings. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about what you're going through. Yeah. You know, we were told, you're going to do this, you're not going to do this, and you're not really going to ask me any questions about it. Exactly. Now, I grew up to be a pretty darn good man, I feel like, through that process, but I think it could have been better. Yeah. I don't know why he keeps jumping up here. We're just going to let him roll with it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it could have been better if it was more open and stuff like that. Um. It wasn't that I was afraid to talk about feelings, but almost like nobody else did it. So I just never really talked about what I was going through. You know what I mean? He's yeah. all over the market. <laughs> That's hilarious. But uh, but yeah, mental health struggles are a real thing, man. How, how do you overcome it? How would you say that you overcame it in your life? Uh, what was that point kind of to where you, you uh, kind of started coping better and getting through things better? Being honest about it. Being honest about it and... Uh, being honest about it and caring enough about yourself to do something about it. Uh, or, you know, it's, it's like when someone says, uh, a great example of this I can think of is if, if ever someone is saying to you, I want to take matters into my own hands, right. uh, trying not to get you demonetized, right. uh, what what they're really saying is help me i i'm saying something because this is the only way i know to vocalize it right it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to do it but you know 
they're trusting you with that knowledge because you are someone that they think can help them stop the pain. Right. No one, no one act. A lot of people who, um, do try to go through with it. Like, uh, it's called the, the view from halfway down, um, from people who have, uh, leapt from, uh, oh gosh, I, f- I forget which bridge it is in California. Uh, Golden Gate, I think. Yeah, I think. Don't don't quote me on that. I'm not I'm not an expert, <laughs> but um, basically they get halfway down and they realize, oh, I don't want this to actually happen. Yeah, I just wanted the pain to stop. That's right. And I didn't know a better way. But there are people who survived that. Yeah. Like that's why it's a known thing. That's why it's. Uh, a, a phrase is the view from halfway down and it's it's dark but it's very it's very real for people who have dealt with that and uh i i have lost people in my life uh to such a thing um and or in the past of course and it has really informed my perspective on the matter it's 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 part of what helped me realize depression anxiety mental health struggles that you are going through are not just your struggle they are your responsibility yeah they're something that you have to grapple with you have to not make it other people's problem and you have but at the same time you have to own up to yourself and learn how to battle your own demons. Mm, I think you see that a lot. Men have anger. Yes. You know, and so. Uh, I was afraid of mine. Yeah. For years. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, uh, probably as a kid, you were told not to be angry. Yeah. We don't act like that. We don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, don't feel that emotion. You know, don't do that, which is very damaging, I think, to a child. Yeah. But, um. It's a real thing. You see a lot of anger in men. Men, a lot of men don't know how to regulate emotion. Uh, It's it's a challenge. And I think through therapy with me, it's helped a ton. Uh, But I think always being inquisitive about yourself. When you have thoughts, it's like, that's like, I don't get mad about thoughts or I don't run away. I'm just like, that's, that's weird. If I think about something like that, why, why is that? I'm inquisitive of my mind, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than just taking a thought and running away and allowing things to my thought, my brain to control me, right? You're in control of your consciousness. It's getting kind of deep and everything, yeah. but uh, but anger in men, uh, when men are anxious, when when they're men, men are scared, yeah. uh, when men are a lot of different emotions, it always almost comes out in anger, and you see that in a lot of people. And so I see a lot of men, uh, you know, when they get mad and all that, I'm like, I wonder if this is really, you know, there's probably some kind of deeper root here, root cause to the problem. Is this really about what they're yelling about? Right. Yeah, because right. I I've seen it before in people in in a parking lot like maybe uh maybe someone parked a little too close to him and they just yell at him through the window or something yeah it's probably just not their day right they've probably got something going on that's really messing with them and 
They just don't have anyone they can, they feel comfortable talking to about it or venting to about it. Right. Uh, maybe they just don't have a catharsis to let it out. And it, it, it just comes out. And when you have that mindset, you kind of are empathetic of people. You yeah. understand, you know, it's like, man, uh, they're really struggling. You right. know, and I've said that a lot on the podcast. When you have that mindset, you don't take it so personally. You're mm-hmm. like, I understand. You know, I get it there. Just let it go. It ain't about you, you know? Yeah. Uh, unless they're physically harming you, obviously, you don't want to do it. You, you got to take matters in your own hands. But, yes. You um, have to you, you have to care about yourself. Right. You have, to, you have to be there for yourself. Depend on yourself so that others can depend on you as needed. If you were talking to somebody, to, to your younger self, uh, to improve your mental health, what would you say to them? Oh, my gosh. What wouldn't I say to that kid? <laughs> that moron. <laughs> nah, I, I think a lot about my younger self. Um, and I, I've asked myself this question plenty of times before, and I don't know if I've ever come to a solid definitive answer, but some things that I like to say or that I like to do is uh if i were ever presented with the opportunity is is just give them a hug uh just explain that it's going to be okay you'll 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 make it to tomorrow you you just have to hold on you just have to have faith you got to Take better care of yourself. And um, another thing I love to say to myself at that point in time, I, so I, I mentioned to you earlier, uh, I'm sorry, this is a diversion within a diversion. It's all good. But uh, I mentioned to you earlier, I, I made sure to watch the episode you did with Kevin before I came and did mine. because. For me, when I was a kid, teenager, heck, even now, I still have heroes in my day-to-day life. And you and Kevin were two of those hero figures in my life at a point in time Mm -hmm. where I needed role models, people to look up to, and you guys really stepped up to the to the plate and just did your jobs and and i mean whether you knew it or not um but i want to talk about the phrase don't meet your heroes and i've thought about that a lot over the years and i i feel like that just doesn't work for me mm-hmm. as a person i've always wanted to meet my heroes and i'm always going to Take the opportunity if I get the chance to, because I I think a better way of putting it is let your heroes be human. Mm-hmm. Because if you perhaps because you you know don't meet your heroes because they'll let you down mm. is the full idea of course. Well, because they're human too, exactly, just like you. But right. the the like we talked about the humanity in these thing in in stuff like this that's that's what even makes someone worth being a hero right 
to another person. That's what makes them relatable as a hero uh, in someone else's eyes. Uh, we, we can all be heroes to each other and we can always like do it in little ways. Like you don't have to be a, a, a DNP or a, right. or a, a firefighter or a, um, or a Superman. <laughs> sure. Or you, you, you just, you just have to be you and let, let some be like water. That, uh, that doesn't really apply here. I uh, lost my turn. It's all good, but yeah, yeah. for sure. Really? I know exactly what you're talking about, man. Just, yeah. we all have a role, you know, I think, especially in our Christian walk, I think mm-hmm. we understand everybody in your life uh, is an opportunity to show love to and all that. We're all struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, that's a good thing that you say that, man. Appreciate you going in on the mental health thing, man. Um, so I end with this. We'll go ahead and start wrapping up. We've already went almost an hour and a half, man. My gosh. I know it's flew by. That's insane. Five, 10, 20 year plan. We'll say really quick. So in a perfect world, your perfect life, five years from now, where you at? My perfect life, five years from now, I am a published author that is writing manga for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a perfect that's perfect for me but i've also i'm also kind of thinking to myself well if it doesn't work out where can i be happy as long as i can find a find the place where i belong where i'm happy where i can where i can do the most for the people i'm near and that i hold close in my heart you know, I can be happy with a life like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to be honest with you, I don't make a lot of plans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got your planning is important, but I think you can be too much. I think you can plan too much and have your life too calculated. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're different that way. My life, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish this. I'm going to do that. It's yeah. always like a stepping stone. And sometimes it's good to just stop and enjoy. Let go. Exactly. You know, be like water, like you said, you know. Wear a Hawaiian it's, shirt in the winter. That's it. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, I'm still confused about it. But, uh, Dream but, in the summer, baby. Uh, that's right. But, yeah, um, I think it's good to have both, uh, balance mm-hmm. of both for sure. Um, uh, But, yeah, it's good to plan. It's good to let go, though, too, for sure. Yeah. Ten years from now, where do you think you're going to be, man? Ten years? I have no clue where I'm going to be. Yeah. So, it's... I guess we won't answer the 20-year then because you have no idea. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I I can I could definitely say in 10 years I would like to be more settled um than I than I have been recently. Mm-hmm. Like more settled into my life. I'll be ready for it then. I wasn't ready for it the first time I tried to settle. Um and I realized that too late and had to kind of pivot after going through a bit of a quarter life crisis and sure you know i'm only two years two and a half almost three years past it now and it it feels like a whole lifetime's gone by i feel like a different person in every way and i'm i'm always excited to see what's gonna happen next in my life 
good or bad. I just want to see. Yeah. Yeah, it's and, good to be curious, man. Yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Big things coming for you, I'm sure. I know this was pretty heavy in the mental health. I haven't really said this before on the podcast, but I'm going to put some mental health resources in the description of this episode. Uh, we went pretty heavy on a lot of this stuff. Um, if you need help, get help. Yes. No, that's what I would say. If, if you need it, you need to get it. Um, and there's resources out there to help you. It's never too dark. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I've been in dark places in my life too. And I understand, I understand if you're in a dark place where you're at, but there's always a light somewhere yeah. and somebody's there to help you. We're going to put some resources, uh, down in the description for you. If you're struggling, would love for you to use those. Is there anything you want us to put for you down in the description? You, do you have a YouTube or you have anything? Uh, I, <laughs> I do have a YouTube. It's, yeah. uh, it's well, you a, were doing some sketches and stuff at one point, right? Was that on YouTube or Facebook Live? Or what that was, was actually on Scott's channel. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was that was on Felt's Media. Okay. Um, uh, my channel specifically is uh, Resilient Reptile. I don't remember if there's an underscore or not. I'd have to mm. look. Yeah, but, we'll post uh, it if you want to. But yeah, but I'm I'm not super active on it these days, just because I'm I'm in a very transitionary period of my life and I'm also trying to put more focus into getting my art done and achieving my goals mm-hmm. uh for myself so that I can start looking towards um my future and that that includes less time on social media right uh instagram you have instagram i do yeah we'll post the instagram yes if you want to see kyle it'll be on the insta uh we'll post his link in the description man yes thank you for coming in kyle thank you for having me. did a great job dude thanks for diving in the mental health i think we're going to help a lot of people with that all right good good i love guys thank you so much for watching that is it this episode number was it 17 18 what did i say before i don't remember i think it's number 18 (laughs) number 18, 18 the podcast the Better Man with Dr. Jared Nelson. We are on the YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit that notification bell. You're going to get every single notification sent directly to you. We are on every single audio podcast streaming service. Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify. Give us that five-star rating because we give five-star service. Thanks for watching. Until the next one, peace. Peace.